shotglassdigital.com. This episode of Geek Out Loud, which is being done live, baby live, with a live studio audience. We're talking all things Captain America Winter Soldier, my thoughts on Star Wars news, your emails and more on this, your safe place to geek out, the Geek Out Loud podcast. Again, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud. This is episode number 85 in the march toward the ever-elusive centennial mark for the show, the centennial epiversary, if you will, 100. Uh, we're 15 episodes away, which means uh, 2020 will probably be there. So uh, you know, what's funny is about seven years ago, I joked that it'd be like 2018. And we're on we're on mark we're on we're on the path there so no Derek with us tonight um, and uh, he is he's busy doing local theater in Tupelo and all kinds of other stuff going on Derek will be with us soon though he is he is going to make his return he's conspicuous by his absence and he is greatly greatly missed so uh, but it's just me tonight flying solo maybe a special guest or two coming in you never know what's going to happen on the old geek out loud so uh we're live right now at mixer.com slash big honking show geek out loud has hijacked the big honking show live feed once again now if you're not listening to the big honking show you should be because if you're not listening to the big honking show um well you're missing stuff like this as we near the 22nd century mutated creatures are more prevalent than ever before first there was king kong Japan had Godzilla. Africa had the elephant. As kaiju continue to plague our fragile Earth, we must all remain ever vigilant and be prepared. Remember these safety tips in the event of a kaiju attack. Evacuate major cities. Kaiju have never attacked small rural towns. Get to the country or a farm as fast as possible. Stay away from the ocean. Landlocked areas rarely have anything to fear as the creatures tend to emerge from the seas. Use women as a distraction. Kaiju seem to be drawn to screaming blondes or tiny twin ladies. Gents, you'll be better protected if you've got a gal handy. If you memorize these simple life-saving steps, you too can live beyond the next kaiju cataclysm. So that's, a, that's an ad done by the great John Reed. We call him Pipes over at the Big Honkin' Show Mixler Zoo Crew. 
And um, we uh, we're listening to it on a, we're doing it on a regular basis. Usually daily. Uh, past couple of weeks have been kind of weird. We haven't been able to get to it daily, but um, but we do it live. We'll do it live, and then it goes to the podcast. Sometimes if it's a good show, if it's not a good show, I don't put it there because I'm very critical of myself. So and as I've seen in the chat already, <clears throat> excuse me, as I've seen in the chat already. If Derek's not here, uh, people don't consider it a good show. So uh, everyone everyone just left the chat because, well, Derek's not here. So uh, they decided they had to go. Bless their hearts. Thank you so much, guys, for the support. <laughs> well, as we do at the top of every show, uh, let's jump into some emails. This first one comes from Will West. He says, hello. Hello there is the subject line. Hello there. Hello, Mr. Glosson. I was introduced. You can just call me Steve. I was introduced to your show via Rebel Force Radio last week when you co-hosted with Jimmy Mack. Thank, well, thanks. I'm, I'm glad to know people are coming on over from the Rebel Force Radio appearances. After listening, I went over and listened to your latest episode of Geek Out Loud, Shield Wars the Musical. What? And I am hooked. Absolutely love the show. I did have a couple of minor questions, though. I'm a huge classical-slash-instrumental music fan and love soundtracks. My questions are as follows. What was the name of the song you played from the Transformers soundtrack? Well, that was off the first Transformers uh, score. It's called Arrival to Earth. It's by Steve Jablonski. Uh, check it out. It's really good. And what was the name of the song you played? Not Gonna Fly Now, but the other one from Rocky. That is Going the Distance. It, too, is off the uh, Rocky 1 soundtrack. I'm not sure if it's on the Rocky Balboa collection that came out around the time that Rocky Balboa did, but it's definitely on the Rocky 1 soundtrack. It's called Going the Distance. Also, he says, our musical tastes seem to be quite similar. So I was just curious as to whether or not there were other soundtracks you really enjoyed. I have all the Marvel soundtracks, Sans Winter Soldier, all of the Batman soundtracks, and of course, all of the Star Wars soundtracks. Love the show, and thank you very much. No, thank you, Will. Thank you so much for listening and, and, uh, and chiming in. This is the first email. There used to be, a, I used to have a sound effect for that, a woohoo sound effect. I wonder if I still have that. I'm not going to look for it right now. I'm not going to do any on-the-fly production, because that makes for bad podcasting. However, I do need to make a note to myself to make sure that I've got that um, got that going on. I will tell you this. I'm going to scroll down uh, really quickly through the iTunes to answer your question. The Superman soundtrack uh, from the original motion picture is is really good. Um, it's uh, it's some of John Williams' better stuff, of course. Uh, of course, it's got the Superman theme and everything. But the Planet Krypton is a good track. Uh, the March of the Villains is classic stuff from there. Um, I, I really like what he did, but also Ken Thorne, I believe his name was Ken Thorne, did a great job with, uh, the follow-up Superman movie, Superman 2 and, uh, Superman 3. <laughs> uh, not so much Superman 4. Superman 4 was done, uh, by a guy, I want to say Alexander Courage, maybe, um, maybe that was his name. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but Superman 2 and Superman 3 
what uh, what Thorne did was he he took some of Williams's themes, like the Krypton theme and that sort of thing, and he turned it on his head and he did some work. You know, took turned it into some in some places like a minor key, in some places he just he he drug some chords out that sort of thing, and he really made a spooky villains theme out of the Krypton theme, and. And then he took all of John Williams' stuff and and integrated it very well. Not so much because Superman Two, of course, being a direct sequel to Superman, it felt more John Williamsy. And if and he did a great job of making the sound feel like John Williams, but also putting his own thing into it. John Ottman later would do Superman Returns, and as good as that soundtrack is, some of the Superman, some of the original stuff was seemed to me to be a little uh, heavy-handed. And um, excuse me, I'm I'm doing something I should never do. Uh, I am uh, texting whilst podcasting. Um, sorry, sorry, sorry. Edit, edit it out. Uh, <clears throat> anyhow, so yeah, Ken Thorne stuff on Superman two and a little bit Superman three, but I'll tell you a surprising soundtrack for. Uh, for for the very simple fact that a lot of people don't, because the movie is considered not so good, is um is Superman four. Superman four, it is said that John Williams actually composed some stuff for that, and and you'll see that. But it's primarily it's credited to Alexander Courage, but it's got a decent it's got a decent score to it all the way throughout. Um, as far as other movie soundtracks go. I did like three episodes, it feels like, several years ago. Check back in the archives at geekoutpodcast.com. And, of course, I talk about the Back to the Future soundtracks by Alan Silvestri. Uh, More recently, the Amazing Spider-Man score uh, by James Horner I thought was really, really good. It was a solid score to me. I liked what he did with the theme, and I like how he continued on with the theme. Um... Alan Silvestri's Avengers score is okay. Of course, you said you had all the Marvel movies without, with the exception of Captain America, um, Winter Soldier. Uh, I'm scrolling down, scrolling down, scrolling down. Wow, I've got a lot of... You know what's always surprising me is the music I have that I didn't realize that I had. And I'll see things. I'm like, oh, I forgot that. I need to go listen to that. Is that just me that that happens to? Probably not. Um, I used to, back in the mid-90s, really dig on the Braveheart soundtrack. I don't know who did that score. It's listed in my iTunes, just the London Symphony Orchestra. London Sim- Did I say that right? London Symphony? Yeah. Orchestra. Um, it's okay. It's a little, you know, it's very low-key for being such a, a, a big movie. Alan Silvestri's Captain America score, you said you had, um, because of all, because you have all the, all the things... I'm trying to think of some other soundtracks I talked about back in the day when I did that. Try to find that one. I can't remember the title of those episodes, but uh, but if you try to find those, Will, um, there's a lot of stuff I go into. I talk about the Steve Jablonski stuff again and uh, there as well. And so uh, so that was around that was around the time of Transformers uh, first release. Um, this comes from Mark T. He says. Hi, Steve. Are you with me in thinking that no matter what, in Transformers 4, we need a shot of Mark Wahlberg driving and listening to the radio and singing along with You've Got the Touch? Um, then it would create a Transformers movie, Dirk Bigler from Boogie Nights, Transformers Age of Extinction movie time riff that could very well cause world peace. Are you with me, brother? 
I think that it is long past time that there was some type of reference to uh, the touch in the Transformers live action movies. I think it is ridiculous and that they've not put it in there. I think Stan Bush has even tried to um, rewrite and redo a little bit of the touch to try to make it more Lincoln Park-ish to get into those movies, and they've just been ignored and been uh, put off, and I think it's a travesty. I would love to see something like that, but I don't think we will. I think that Michael Bay has a way of just enjoying the fact that he can tick off fans sometimes. I think that he gets a kick out of... If Michael Bay were a wrestler... He would be a heel if Michael Bay were, if Michael Bay were uh, a wrestle in the wrestling business, he'd be a heel manager because he just loves to tick off people, and he doesn't mind that people get mad at him. I think he has a good time with it, and I understand that. I like picking at people and and kind of getting at him. He says, "Thanks for reading my Darth Maul Clone Wars email in the last show. As soon as you said Star Wars and Mark when you read it, my wife knew I'd written it. Mathematically, when you add up my first name and my last name, it equals Star Wars. So I guess I shouldn't be too surprised she knew it was my email. We had a good laugh in the car while listening to the show on the way back from Captain America 2. Excellent movie. Agreed with you, Mark. And uh, we'll be talking about that in just a little bit. Kevin writes in. He says, this is Kev from Cali. Going back to Cali. To Cali. He says, hi, Steve and Derek. With an abundant amount of Godzilla trailers and TV spots as of the typing of this email, I've been very amazed that none of them revealed anything resembling to an important point, uh, plot point, which got me curious. In your experience, what's the best example of a good film, doesn't have to be box office successes, that was handled poorly through undeserved lack of exposure, and on the other side of the spectrum, which movie, good or bad, got its plot point twist utterly spoiled in trailers or spots? Mine is The Iron Giant. For the former, and spoiler alert, Terminator Salvation's Marcus Wright Terminator reveal for the latter. Needless to say, I've been more careful about trailers after that Terminator trailer. I, I shut my eyes and plug my ears whenever any of the amazing Spider-Man 2 trailers pop up in the theater. I even skip parts of your podcast just in case y'all discuss any of them in depth, not blaming either of you. <clears throat> well, Kev, I would say that in recent memory, Amazing Spider-Man Amazing Spider-Man 2, those trailers leading up to those movies seem to have, especially, and now having seen the first Amazing Spider-Man, they definitely um, tell the story. They definitely kind of let you know everything that's going on and don't, and, and even give away some plot twist. Had it been me, I, I don't know that I would have let on that the Green Goblin was going to be a part of things. Sorry, I probably just spoiled something for you, Laura. Um, I just feel like they've really let the cat out of the bag in a lot of things. On the flip side of that, J.J. Uh, Abrams tended to be a little coy with some of his Star Trek stuff and and really kind of hold back in in some of these things. So he, you know, and then you turn around with what happened in Star Trek Into Darkness, and I feel like he should have just put it out there on Front Street that this is what's going on rather than try to to hold back. <laughs> Alicia Pettit, who, um, I got to tell you something, I'm, 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 I'm becoming a huge fan of Alicia in the chat. She says, Star Trek into crapness. Um, the, uh, but yeah, I think he held back. I think he really held back too much. And the... Re and everyone was talking about the reveal. It, it's a weird kind of backlash thing that happened. But see, with Cloverfield, 
with a movie like Cloverfield, I feel like he did it just right, as well as Super 8. I feel like those ad campaigns were done right. They let you in on a little bit, but they held back enough to to not really give away too much about these movies, but you still got the gist of what these movies were. So Abrams is kind of hit or miss with the way he does things, and so I'm interested to see how things are going to be done with Star Wars. He likes to play things uh, very, very close to the the vest, very close to the chest when he does these things. Derek is big into the marketing stuff and everything, so I'm probably going to save this email and run it by him the next time he's with us. Brian DeFinger uh, writes, and he says, can you post on the site a watching order for the Marvel movies? <clears throat> I don't even remember what I said the watching order was. I just know that ended up being the biggest um, mess in the world as I was trying to go through them and recap them and recount them and, and figure out what's what and who's where and how's what and what's going on. Uh, so I will say this. Start with Iron Man, and the last thing you should see at this point is Captain America 2. And do it however you want in the middle there. <laughs> actually, wait a minute. Dang, I'm doing it again. I'm getting stuck in the middle. I say, I actually say start with Captain America. And uh, and then after Captain America, watch the one shot of Peggy Carter uh, from the Iron Man 3 DVD and Blu-ray. And then, um, then go all those other stuff. So, I... I Whatever we said on the last episode, I, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'll try to, I'll try to post that up for you, at somehow, some way. Look out for geekoutonline.com. Our good friend Teresa Delgado, a sister from the Shot Glass Digital Radio Network, fangirl next door, and um, they have a show. She and Trisha Barr have a show on the Rebel Force Radio feed. She says, "Hey guys, I listened to the last episode of Steve. Uh, last episode of Steve. That's right. You listened to the last episode of the Steve. I'm done. The last episode of the show when Steve was all alone, frowny, but it was an awesome show. Well, thank you, Teresa. Here are a few of the comments I have. Maleficent. She's not being made out to be the good guy, but more of just giving her side of the Sleeping Beauty story. I have a feeling it's going to be very dark, creepy, and awesome film. I'm really looking forward to it. They're reviving the classics with live-action twists." And this is the first one. Well, I'm interested to know, Teresa. Reach back out to us and let me know what else they're doing. I was I went to see Captain America Winter Soldier for the first, for the second time last night and got there in time for all the trailers and everything and saw another Maleficent trailer. We, of course, I saw one at the front of The Muppets Most Wanted. And it does look intriguing. I mean, Sleeping Beauty is one of those movies that, for whatever reason, when I was a kid, we, um, we were watching... Uh, we were watching Sleeping Beauty all over the place. So it's uh it's really intrigued me and I like the way that they they're doing some stuff that you can obviously see from the animated movie and that sort of thing. I just wonder if there's gonna be the line, now you will deal with me, young prince, and all the forces of hell. She goes on to say Teresa does three D movies, not a fan. What's the point if a dinosaur is not popping out of the screen in my face? That's what I'm saying. I don't like paying the extra money for a subtle sort of 3D nonsense. More films than IMAX would be awesome. Oh, and Avatar sucks. Well, thank you. Are you interested in the new Avatar land at Animal Kingdom and Disney World? Nope. I kind of am, but only because it may make Animal Kingdom more interesting. Let me tell you, all you need to make Animal Kingdom interesting are animals. And if you can pet or play with a monkey. 
Uh, Muppets Most Wanted. I know you haven't talked about it yet, but I love the movie. I have so much to say on the film and just the Muppets in general because I love them. I just wrote a post on Fozzie Bear and got distracted watching Muppet clips on YouTube for an hour. What's your favorite character, favorite skit? My favorite Muppet is hard to nail down. I always start with Gonzo. He's my go-to. But I also love the Swedish Chef. I love some of what Beauregard does. I've learned to really, really, really love Fozzie, especially through watching some of the old Muppet Show stuff. One of my favorite skits is um, one where Harry Belafonte was on The Muppet Show, and he was doing Deo, and it was the first time he'd ever done uh, Deo on... I don't... Is that the actual name of the song? Is there is is there another name? Everyone knows Deo. Deo! Deo! <clears throat> Sorry. Daylight come and me one go home. Daylight come and me wanna go home. Come, Mr. Tally. And see how you get stuck in it. It's a song you get stuck in. Anyhow, yeah, the banana boat song. Thank you, Squire Trelane, in the chat. Um, yeah, Deo, the banana boat song. Anyhow, Harry Belafonte's doing that for the first time. Fozzie interrupts him and um and he starts getting everyone together on the set to do it with him, and it just hilarity ensues. As uh, as Fozzie keeps interrupting him doing this thing for the first time, I also liked one that it was. Um, there's this little dude. There's there's another one, and it had none of the actual um, the Muppet characters that we know and love. It was a little bitty guy, and he's singing "You Are My Sunshine, My Only Sunshine," and he keeps getting interrupted by this big, uh, scary monster singing. Uh, like chumba wumba or something like that um let me see if i can if i can pull it up here it is it was always one hugga wugga that's what it is <laughs> hugga wugga um here let me let you listen to a little bit of it here if we can if we can get it going it's this it's this monster <laughs> Hugga Wugga. Hugga Wugga. Hug, hug, wug, wug, buggy, buggy, mugger, mugger, wug, wug. Here comes this little bird looking thing. He's like green. He just blew steam out of his nose and scared the little bird. <laughs> I think I like this because I think I always like this because of like the funny words. Anytime you take a funny word and you make another funny word with it, and then here comes this thing that's just big monster that'll have steam come out of his nose just really mad he tried to scare the little guy and he just didn't notice him and then he just ducked the steam as god is my witness he's broken in half and now the bird has jumped in anyhow so that was always one of my favorite ones 
And then there's one with a bunch of like lanky birds uh, jumping up, um, up and down on like some power wires. And they're singing Take a Chance on Me by ABBA. And they just start flinging off and I always like that. Uh, she says, can't wait to see you at Star Wars Weekends. I'll be down at Star Wars Weekends with Rebel Force Radio's Jimmy Mack and a bunch of other Rebel Force Radio listeners. Memorial Day weekend. And uh, if you're headed down that way, we'd love to see you and meet up. So uh, get in get in touch with the guys at Rebel Force Radio. Subject line, uh, Star Wars, Disney Star Wars Weekends. And uh, you can get details on meetups and everything down that way. Uh, she says, keep up the awesome work. And here's a quick question for you. Who is your favorite Muppet from the Muppet Babies TV show? Gonzo hands down may the force be with you that's from Teresa delgado uh fangirl next door her blog and check her out on the rebel force radio feed hey here's another one from will west he says hello steve i've been doing a lot of spring yard work recently so i've been binge listening to geek out loud for the past week or so i'm so sorry i have a few matters i'd like to weigh in on before your next show but first i feel like i should give you a little bit of background on me so you can take my opinions with a grain of salt so here we go Hand shot first. I love the prequels. I haven't seen the holiday special. The Dark Knight is my favorite DC movie. Iron Man is my favorite Marvel movie. And I was not a fan of the Man of Steel. Here's what I want to discuss as it pertains to, not Man of Steel 2, the Batman Superman movie. Honestly, I think the whole Jesse Eisenberg as Luthor is a huge mistake. Bruce Willis, I think, he says, would be a hundred times better than him. As for Batman, I would love to see him in that movie as, as he is portrayed in the Batman Arkham games. If you haven't played or heard of those games, he's tough as nails and kicks major butt. Major butt? And he gets a little comedy thrown in occasionally and is the detective extraordinaire. The suit he wears in Arkham City is my absolute favorite incarnation of Batman. Kevin Conroy voice and all. There's that. As it pertains to Guardians of the Galaxy, I just want to say that I can't wait for this movie. I've never heard of these people before, but here's my thought process. With all the deep storylines running through the veins of the existing Marvel movies, I find it hard to swallow this is just going to be a one-off, and so I think it'll have major ramifications within the Marvel world. Secondly, I don't think Disney slash Marvel wants to make a superhero movie that sucks, and I don't think they will. They're already taking a big risk introducing all these new characters, so I would assume and hope that the story and repercussions would be majorly awesome, unless we wind up with some alternate weird, alternate world, reality, whatever. Those never seem to work. Thanks and love the show. Well, thank you, Will, once again for writing in. I'm telling you, the Guardians of the Galaxy do not happen in an alternate reality. They don't happen in an alternate universe. But it's it's really going to be fun. It's going to be a good movie. And I don't think it's necessarily going to have ramifications on Avengers Age of Ultron. But it very well could have ramifications on Avengers 3. Uh, the... The, the first coda at the end of the Avengers movie was Thanos looking over his shoulder and kind of um, smiling about the, the idea of to, um, to, to take on humanity as to court death. And the Guardians of the Galaxy have a huge connection to Thanos. And so I imagine what's going to happen between Avengers 2 and then Avengers 3 is we're going to be building up big time to a Thanos thing. I, I'm really surprised that they've talked about the Infinity Stones and that sort of thing, which will build up an Infinity Gauntlet. Now, I don't want to get too geeky on everybody. What am I saying? Yes, I do. It's Geek Out Loud. Here's what the Infinity Gauntlet is. In the Marvel Universe, there are these gems called the Infinity Gems or the Infinity Stones. 
Now, in the Marvel Universe, in the comics, they were all round little gems, round little gems, and they fit in a gauntlet, a glove, a golden glove to make it the Infinity Gauntlet. When all they were, when they were all brought together, they made a very powerful uh, tool that basically gave the wielder of the the Infinity Gauntlet uh, unlimited unlimited power. Um, yeah, omniscient, unlimited power. And, uh, and like he wiped out half of the universe. It was, an, it was, it was this huge big event that took place in the nineties In the movies in Thor two and Thor, the dark world, um, you see that the ether, they talk about being a little bit of, um, <laughs> Chris says, itty bitty living space, unlimited power, itty bitty living space. I was doing the emperor from, uh, episode three. Anyhow, um, the ether is one of the infinity stones or one of the infinity gems. I believe the Tesseract is meant to be, um, an infinity gem. And there are people saying that the, that the gem and the Loki pokey stick, the Lo Loki's staff was an infinity gem. So we've seen three at this point on screen that we know of. Um, there are two more, I believe. <clears throat> and so we'll may, we may be seeing those, at least one of those, in the Guardians of the Galaxy. I know they have a run-in with a collector. If you saw the the uh, the coda or the button at the end of Thor, the first one during the credits, which, by the way, let's talk about these two button things, these two, these two coda things. We'll do that later. Um, you see that... Um, that that uh, Sif and uh, not Ray Stevens. Um, gee whiz, what's his name? What's his name? What is his name? Who does Ray Stevens play in Thor? The big guy, not Balder the Brave. Um, uh, what is his name? You guys are not Volstag. Thank you, Wayne Lee. Yeah, Volstag. They go to the Collector now. The Collector is. He, I don't know that he's a cosmic being, but he definitely is a spacefaring character in the Marvel Universe that collects rare and unique items. And so they bring that to him for safekeeping. We've seen him, yeah, Benicio Del Toro's character. We've seen him in the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. They're probably going to be going into his little place to get some stuff, you know, because that's what the old Star-Lord does. Peter Quill, a.k.a. also known as Star-Lord... Who calls him that? Himself. They call themselves the Guardians of the Galaxy. So, um, the, but he has the ether. So, I don't know. But anyhow, um, I think, I really think Guardians is going to be fantastic and it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. And I, I really, I think it's going to surprise everybody. To be honest with you, I think that everyone's going to be a little bit shocked by what comes down the pipe with the Guardians of the Galaxy. You can email us at geekoutonline, geekoutonline at gmail.com, and uh, and we like to get the emails here on the old Geek Out Loud. Get the discussion going, and uh, and let us hear from you the way you've heard from these folks. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. I'm Bo. And I'm Bell. And we want you to check out Flash TV Talk. Flash TV Talk is your source for news, reviews, and spoilers for the upcoming CW show, The Flash. But wait, there's more. Every week we get hyped with discussion and commentary on The Flash and his previous TV incarnations, including 
Smallville, Justice League Unlimited, Flashpoint Paradox, Young Justice, and more. Accelerate your fandom with us on Flash TV Talk. Search for us on iTunes or find us online at flashtvtalk.podastery.com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y.com. All right, let's get into, before before I go any further, that is uh, Flash TV Talk, an, an ad they sent me to play. There's another Flash podcast on the old internet, and it's uh, by our good friend Andy, who joins us so often in the chat. Um, Andy has a S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast as well, so check out his stuff. Andy, when you get a second, post those links there in the chat, and, uh, and we'll give you a shout-out. If you have a... Um, <clears throat> if you have a podcast or something you want to get pimped out on the show we have great great rates and so <laughs> get in touch with us andy has the flash podcast.com so check out andy's and check out the flash tv talk a uh, lot of flash action going on right now what with the new tv show and everything coming about so uh so get on board with these things and learn about the flash so you can be in the know when when the old TV show hits. There is some of my favorite stuff to talk about happening right now, or has been happening, and uh, with, gosh, filming on Star Wars Episode Seven is right around the corner, and there's much, much to do taking place you know, all over the world, apparently, with Star Wars. <laughs> Okay, so there's been no casting or anything like going on with Star Wars. No news coming out like that, but there has been a few uh, leaked pictures uh, let out. Now, I can tell you this, um, that one of my sources on the inside had let me know that at least one of the R2s that they were building specifically for the movie is working, it's up and rolling, that there's some big stuff going on at Pinewood Studios. Um, but these pictures, these, these pictures that are apparently from some kind of set, some kind of shooting that's going on in Abu Dhabi have come out. Now, if you listen to the last Rebel Force Radio, we talked a little bit about these. These guys are rolling out this big disc thing or rolling it into a tent, uh, where, uh, under some cover. Um, and El Maimbe from Latino Review, uh, hypothesized that it looked like it could be a... It could be a um, Adat foot, but it's at, it's Abu Dhabi, and um, people are saying that's potentially Tatooine. That we're going back to Tatooine for this. Now, I've seen, I saw in the in the article wherein I, I saw the pics for this initially at ain'titcool.com. Of course, those guys tend to be a little bit negative. All knee-jerk negative reaction a lot of times. Anyway, they were saying that, you know, I, the idea of visiting Tatooine again is a little bit too much rehashing and that sort of thing. Here's what I think, though. Um, I think that... I think we underestimate Tatooine. In Star Wars, Luke tells... 
when 3PO's like, I'm not even sure what planet that we're on. Luke tells 3PO and R2, he says, if there's a bright center of the universe, you're on the planet that's farthest from. Luke hates where he lives, and anyone does. I mean, that's the thing. When you, you can't take the word of a 19-year-old who's ready to get out and start his life in a bigger world. You can't really take their word at face value when they're talking about where they're at. I've been in places, I, look, I grew up in a little town. This little community has like just a few thousand people in it. It's a small little area. And I went to places where you're 20 minutes from, you know, the capital city of, of Minnesota. Uh, I was in a college town that was actually a decent little college town. And people were always talking about how there's nothing to do in these places. I'm like, what are you talking about? Let's go. Because where I grew up, literally at nine o'clock, there was nothing to do after nine o'clock at night. And still, that it's kind of that way here nowadays and so i know what it's like though to hear people who are from different areas say well there's nothing going on because then once you hit most Eisley, it's like this is the this is the planet that's farthest from the brightest center of the universe man there's a lot of crazy stuff going on here you get to that cantina and it's like man look at the there was like three humans and you only saw like one or two of each of the other species that you saw it was pretty impressive what they did in the cantina in Star Wars. And from there, you go out, you go to places like Cloud City, you end up back on Tatooine at Jabba's Palace, and you just see all these amazing creatures and all these different aliens and all these different things going on in this galaxy. But in five of the six movies that we've seen uh, in Star Wars, we visit Tatooine. And as much as people may not like it, in the Clone Wars opener, the movie that opened the whole series for the Clone Wars, we go to Tatooine. Now, Anakin has a pretty significant fight with Count Dooku in the sand dunes of Tatooine there, and there's some Force stuff going on. I mentioned this on the Force cast, or not the Force cast, I mentioned this on Rebel Force Radio, and I want to talk about a little bit here. We're going to kind of go into the Star Wars corner just a little bit before we get into Captain America. Um, I'm beginning to think there's something more to Tatooine than just... A dead desert planet. Now I could be dead wrong, but the fact that we we keep coming back there, the fact that when if you read the novel Darth Plagueis, if you're into Star Wars and, and you do some of the novelizations and that sort of thing, if you if you read the novel about Darth Plagueis, you find out that when Darth Plagueis was doing all of his wicked, mad scientist Sith experiments, um that the force pushed back and that's maybe maybe it's not said explicitly but maybe that's how anakin skywalker came into being and where did anakin skywalker come into being tatooine um as far as we know tatooine i could be dead wrong now some of you eu people might be like well no wait a minute anakin was actually born on kato namoidia and his mother was taken into slavery and went to tatooine as far as we know anakin born born and bred if you will, on Tatooine. He was a virgins in the Force. There was something special about him. The midichlorians created the life that he was. And this happened on Tatooine. Now, it just it could just be a classic mythological, you know, out of the least of these comes the greatest of these kind of thing. But you look at the decision, it seems like just a natural decision to send Luke back with his family on Tatooine there in Revenge of the Sith. But I wonder if there was more of a pressing by the Force there. 
you know, Yoda goes to Dagobah to hide because he can kind of, there's obviously something spiritual that's going on we learned in the Clone Wars, but at the same time, I think all the life that's there tends to hide Yoda and his connection to the Force. Is it the lack of life or something deeper going on at Tatooine where Ben is able to hide out and not be sensed in the Force? Obviously, he shut himself off and that sort of thing, but he spent, you know, almost 20 years there un, unchecked by the Empire as far as we know. No one ever knew he was there, and when he comes out of hiding, it's like, boom, he's, he's just suddenly out of hiding. What was the rebel blockade runner doing over the planet of Tatooine, of all places? What were they doing way out there on the Outer Rims, you know, having made their first strike against the Galactic Empire? That's where that movie started. That's where the original Star Wars began, was over Tatooine. So I'm wondering... If there could be something deeper, something more spiritual, you go to Return of the Jedi and it's a deleted scene, but it's also confirmed in novels and that sort of thing. Um, the novelization of Return of the Jedi and that sort of stuff. Luke created his lightsaber there. This is where he kind of came into his own. I'm using quote fingers as I say that. Dink, dink. Came into his own as, as almost a Jedi. You know, he was... You know, he fought Vader. What happened between the time he fought Vader, the first time on, on Cloud City, on Bespin... And the next time that we see him on Tatooine, we we don't really know. You can read Shadows of the Empire, and Shadows of the Empire is a great book that was published in the 90s, and, and George Lucas had his fingerprints and his input all in that, apparently. But it's really interesting to think that, you know, there may be something, to me it's interesting to think there may be something deeper, something more spiritual going on on this desert planet that no one seems to think about. Um, that's right. Squire Trelane got me. She was going to find Obi-Wan on Tatooine when, uh, when, when Leia was, when, uh, when the Death Star or when the Star Destroyer um, caught up on him. Um, I would like to see... You know, Jimmy Mack brought up something on Rebel Force Radio that really piqued my interest. What if Luke has kind of removed himself from the galaxy and gone back to Tatooine to be that moisture? A lot of people do that in their lives. They hate where they grew up and they end up back there on purpose, not on accident. Like some of us have ended up, but on purpose. And he does it to, to remove himself from the galaxy, remove himself from the conflicts and the wars and the pressures or the, or the, not even the pressures and responsibility, but just maybe the, the politics of maybe what's come up around the Jedi Order. I'm really interested to see what in the world is going on on Tatooine. And if that thing is just, is an, is an ad at foot, I'm really interested to see on how it got to Tatooine and, and why there might have been an Imperial presence or any type of presence of something like an ad at on Tatooine. Now it could just be a pile of junk. You know, it could just be a set piece. That's part of a bigger set piece, you know, and, and nothing, it just it makes the imagination fire off and and it's one of those little things that's kind of gotten me excited now about some of the stuff that I geek out about and some of the you know some of my geekdom as much as the main reason we've come here uh to talk today has um I need to let you know from this point forward ladies and gentlemen spoilers abound and we're going to bring in a very special friend, a special guest, to talk about what we're about to talk about, um, to to make things happen. 
he is a real American hero himself. This is a man who was traveling from Kuwait into Iraq in an unarmored vehicle, uh, armed for bear, he said, jamming out to Jimi Hendrix, uh, Star Spangled Banner. He's, he's, he's become a good friend of mine and a hero to me. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Geek Out Loud for the first time. My friend, your friend, part of the Mixler Zoo crew, Matthew Crowder. On your left, Steve. Oh. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show to talk well, some Thank you for having me. This is a uh this is a uh, dream come true. Well, I it's I mean, don't don't go that far. Come on. Um, well, you know, I have very vivid dreams, so, you know. <laughs> I just don't remember him most of the time, so I want to say something. I want to say coming out of the gate right now um, about what we're about to talk Captain America Winter Soldier, everybody. So spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. If you've not seen it and you don't want to hear about it and you're in the chat, you might want to back out. Or if you're listening and you've not seen it yet, you might want to uh, to pull away. But we're we're about to go spoiler heavy into Captain America Winter Soldier. And and I want to say this out of the gate about Captain America Winter Soldier, Matthew, and feel free to disagree with me. All right, can, can I say one thing real quick, Steve? Yes, so go before for Before I forget, mm-hmm. um, I would be remiss this, you know, I don't I don't get to come on very often, especially on the Geek Out Loud, and it's, a, it's an even more special day for me uh, because today is Amara's 10th birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Amara! And, yeah, and I just wanted to say happy birthday to my little sweet pea. Um, who has seen this movie with me three times now. Nice. And loves it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I wanted to say happy birthday to her. She's not here. She's with her mom right now, but I know she's going to listen to this, and I wanted to be able to say happy birthday to her. Well, I want to say happy birthday to Amara, too. Well, there you go. Happy birthday, Amara. I hope you have a great, great birthday. Ten years old, you said. Yeah, ten years old. Oh, hitting the double digits. Yeah, boggles the mind my friend. happy birthday to you yeah it, thank you steve i, I appreciate the, that little break and it's funny too she she actually really loved captain america oh good um uh, and uh it was funny thursday we, we both kind of caught a bug and we weren't feeling very good and i, I went and laid down um and, and snuggled with her a little bit uh thursday night and uh, I was laying there. I just got uncomfortable. She's like, "Daddy, I just got, I just got one, one thing to say." And I, I know she hadn't seen wrestling, so I knew it wasn't, you know, she didn't. Ha- I knew she didn't have just two words for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm like, "Yeah, what, what, what is it, sweetie? What do you need?" She's like, "On your left, Daddy." Nice. I was like, oh. <laughs> like that's so perfect. <laughs> that's my girl. All right. Well, happy okay, birthday, so Mara. We We're going to talk Captain America 2 now. Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Um, I want to say out of the gate about this movie, Matthew, and, and I want you to disagree with me if you can. All okay. right. I think that this is the best sequel to a superhero movie that we've gotten of any super. And I'm going all the way back to Superman 2. To any Superman, to any superhero movie we've had to date, the best sequel. It is definitely right up there, honestly, with the Dark Knight mm-hmm. uh, as far as sequels go. I think it's definitely better than than Superman Two, mm-hmm. even though I loved Superman Two. Oh, me too. Me the, too. Especially the Donner cut of Superman Two. Yeah. Um, 
Um, but I mean, it's it's kind of I, I you know I hope I have a, I have a better feeling leaving Captain America two for Captain America three. Yes. Than I did than I do than I would have or otherwise before seeing this. Mm-hmm. Um, after the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that I didn't like The Dark Knight Rises, mm-hmm. but it was kind of like a, it kind of deflated a little bit um, after The Dark Knight. Well, structurally, I want to, you know, before we get into the meat and bones of the movie, I just, I, just structurally, I'm looking at it. And, and, I, and I went back, you know, I haven't really sat down in front of my DVD collection or gone through and, and kind of scrolled through like sequels. The first superhero sequel I can think of is Superman 2. And you need to understand, and I'm not talking Donner Cut, I'm talking the Richard Lester Cut. I yeah. absolutely have always loved. And Oh, I always have loved it too. Yeah, yeah. And so and so understand that what I'm saying is super high praise. Um and then you move forward in time to Batman Returns, the the Tim Burton Batman Returns, which just was a step down from Batman. Yeah. You know, there's no getting around it. It was a step down. I Looking back now, and, and with hindsight being 2020, you know, I think all fans realize that Tim Burton didn't quite get Batman. He was more intrigued by the villains. And so Batman took a back seat in his two movies to those villains. And that kind of carried over a little bit into, into Forever with Schumacher. But I'm just talking about number two right now. I'm talking about the second movie in a series. Um, and it really, I'm, I'm just, uh, it wouldn't be until X-Men 2... I guess that we got another superhero movie like Part Two kind of thing, yeah. and X Men Two was great. I thought X Men Two was superior to X Men. You know, yeah, it, it was because they it was more it was more refined and it was more polished and you, you know not to you know toot the Wolverine horn because Wolverine's awesome, mm-hmm. but um, Hugh Jackman got that role like oh yeah thirty days before they started yes. filming X Men because. Uh, Mission Impossible Three, mm-hmm. or was it Mission Impossible Two? Ran long, mm-hmm. so the baddie from Mission Impossible couldn't play the role. Thankfully, right now, now we all know in hindsight that, that was great. Yes, um, Hugh Jackman, great. I mean, he's nailed it. Oh yeah, and and now he is he is Wolverine yep. now. Yeah, you know, and so that was it was much more polished and more refined. But then again, just like with Dark Knight to Dark Knight Rises, mm-hmm. then you had X Men Three. Yeah, yeah. Well, right, and that's you know and. And now, granted, I liked X Men Three for what it was, but it's it's still it was you know, I, I'm just looking at the part twos of things right now. Yeah, yeah. And and at that point when X Men Two came out, I probably would have said, you know what? It, to me, it still wasn't better than Superman Two. Superman Two was my, you know, kind of standard of a superhero sequel, and the one that came close was Spider Man Two, with Tobey Maguire. Um, I really thought Spider Man Two was a superior movie to Spider Man, and I loved. I loved Alfred Molina as Doc Ock. I loved how I loved the fight scenes in that movie. It was it was something we'd never seen before. It was it was just a great accomplishment. I thought with Spider Man Two. Of course, you throw in on the side, you've got Fantastic Four Two, which you know, take it or leave it is is how I look at that. I'm I'm not yeah. I'm not super against it, but it's also not something I've watched in a while because it just hasn't drawn me to it in a in a while either. You know. Um, I hadn't watched Fantastic Four, the first one, in forever until yeah. I saw it was on HBO Go a little while ago. And I watched it again. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't I, that I bad. I kind of enjoy it. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. I just feel like it wasn't that good either. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's one that it's kind of mediocre. Um, yeah. The the, but in the current day, in in the current roster, you mentioned the Dark Knight. Now, I enjoyed the Dark Knight. I really did. I enjoyed it up until the Joker's dangling and and caught, and then I feel like it should have kind of ended there. Yeah. Um, I feel like they should have helped kept two face over for the third, the one. third one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and I didn't like the, the way they ended with Batman on the run and kind of taking the fall for all this stuff. I just don't know. Um, I just don't know that, that it, that it ended well. And I, and I don't know how I feel about the story progression mm-hmm. uh, of, of what the dark Knight did. Um, Heath Ledger's performance was amazing. The, oh, the movie I thought is, is super, and and I feel like Dark Knight is hurt by Dark Knight Rises, more more than any other yeah. movie is hurt by its third part in a series. I feel like Dark Knight was hurt by Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, I love Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, uh, yeah, I liked it. Okay, it, I mean, it, it, it's it's kind of hard coming back after eight years, mm-hmm. story time, eight years, and you've got a broken up, you know, half insane hermit. Of Bruce Wayne, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who all of a sudden, you know, Catwoman steals his his mom's necklace, and all of a sudden he's got this magic knee brace that he's, he just he's invented. back in the game, man. He's yeah, back it's in like, the game. Whoa, yeah. how's it? And he's rappelling down the hospital, you know, which yeah. was cool. But it's like, wait, he was on a cane like mm-hmm. three minutes ago. What's going on? The um, the in the current day of Marvel movies, though, we've really only... Well, we've had a few sequels, you know, as far as, like, part twos go. We've had Iron Man 2. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about Iron Man 2? I really... Of the three Iron Man movies, mm-hmm. I personally rank them 2-1-3. Okay, wow, um, wow. It, because in 2, I liked... Where you got Rhodey more involved? Yeah, there was there's more Pepper because we love mm-hmm. Pepper. Yeah, we do. Um, but I liked the fact that that Tony wasn't, you know, he he was he was beaten down a little bit. He was going, he was losing it. Yeah, and he had he had to invent a new element. I love that part, yes, especially when my, Coulson comes yes. in. And he's like, "Wait, how do you have this?" And he picks up Captain America's shield. Yeah, or he's a, like, "Oh, pro- that's perfect." And he or, uses it as a wedge. Yeah, or a prototype of Captain America's shield. Yeah, it's a prototype. Yeah. I'm like, "This is awesome," mm-hmm. you know. I I I dug Captain I dug Iron Man two more than a lot of people seem to. I'm surprised to hear you say that order two one three, um, because I I love one. I love the first Iron Man. I really oh, yeah, do. Absolutely. Um, and and I always feel like when I sit down to watch it, the times I've sat down to watch it, I'm like, oh, this is going to be kind of a struggle to get through. But it never is. It watches yeah. so well. Yeah. Um, Iron Man two, I really liked. I really liked the uh, the the action. I liked I liked the portrayal of Tony Stark. And I'm like you when he goes to start making that element. I'm like, oh, we're back in Iron Man. We're back in what I loved about the first Iron Man. Yeah. Inventing, getting ready, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Th- Thor two. What did you think about the second Thor? I thought Thor two was better than Thor one. I agree, I agree. I, I, it's, I mean, it helped too that we knew the characters at that point. Yep, yep. Um, but I, I, I just liked it. I mean, because it went back and forth. You know, there was some on Earth, there was some in Asgard, there was some on all these other different realms yep. too. Um, and and I mean, Thor was on the run, you know, which I thought was great. 
I really, I really, really, really like Thor too, and I like Thor. Um, the Thor surprised me. The first Thor surprised me as to how much I liked it, and Thor two just took that that much further. But I still wouldn't say, you know, oh, it's one of the best superhero sequels of all time. I just really liked it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and then this came along. Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Again, just talking about the part two stuff. Now, Iron Man right. 3 was completely redeemed for me by the one shot, All Hail the King. Yes. And so I, I totally dig Iron Man 3 now. Oh, absolutely. Um, but, but Captain America, Winter Soldier has come along. And I'm telling you right now, um, for my money, it, it's been, it's the best superhero movie in a, in a while. And oh, they absolutely. did. If if I had made this Captain America movie, it would not have been this. I would have never done what they did in this Captain America movie to make it not not only as big as it was, but also as personal at the same time as it was. To get to see everything that you love about Captain America and also some of the characters they threw in, I would oh, have yeah. never thrown in. I would have never... And it's sad because the Falcon is a part of Captain America's history. They they were in the same comic together. They were a team. I mean, the, the, the comic itself read Captain America and the Falcon for almost a decade back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And, and I would have never thought to have Sam Wilson, the Falcon, come into the mix in in a Captain America movie. It just never would have dawned on me. And they did it, and they did it perfectly and seamlessly right from the get-go. Yeah, they did it right. And what what amazed me about it, too, is that, yeah, it's a superhero movie. But it didn't feel like a superhero movie in some ways. I've heard some people compare it to a James Bond movie. It, either that or like a a Tom Clancy movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I'm not talking the new ones. Right. I'm talking Hunt for Red October, mm. Patriot Games. I'm the Hunt for Red October. I'm the Hunt for Red October. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it does. It really does feel that way, especially when you get into all the political intrigue and the, yeah. and, and, the and the military intrigue and the intelligence intrigue and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, it, it starts out, <clears throat> the meeting of these two was perfect. What's the guy's name? I should have pulled up the IMDb. Uh, who plays Sam Wilson? Oh, who plays gosh. the Falcon? What's his name? It's uh, not Howard uh, Mackey. It's it's something Mackey. And uh, we're we're introduced to him right off the bat. Again, though, just like in Thor, we get that Marvel logo and we go right into the movie. We get the Marvel fanfare and we're right into the movie, which I totally love because to me that shows that we're not going to get the Disney logos before a Lucasfilm logo potentially. Mm-hmm for Star Wars. Anthony Mackie, Anthony Mackie uh, play, plays the Falcon. And uh, and he's just taking his run through Washington, and Cap is just lapping him. <laughs> he is hauling the mail, let me tell you. Holy cow. He's just lapping him, and, and there's the joke, on your left. On your left. On your left. And then the third time he comes, oh no, oh no, not this Don't time. Don't you say it. Don't you say it. <laughs> <laughs> on your left. And... <laughs> <laughs> and then when they stop and talk, they you know he just he's got some great delivery with with some of the some of the comedy and some of the banner they have, but they they connect immediately as soldiers. And I wanna I wanna talk to you about about that concept, you know, because I'm not a military guy at all. I have I've been in ministry, you know, and I know that whenever I get around a group of people who've also done ministry, that there's a there's a certain bond and a certain connection we have. Um, sometimes, but it's not always the case. Yeah. But as someone who has 
who has done how many tours did you do? Uh, I did one tour in Afghanistan for mm-hmm. two months. Yeah. And then I did two tours in Iraq for a total of 27 months. Yeah. So as someone who has done that kind of time or service, if you will. Oh, um, it's doing time. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's, it's doing time. But, but as someone who's done that kind of service, and, you know, even if you've not served with someone specifically who has served in wartime the way you have, is I mean, talk about is there that brotherhood there? Is is there that automatic kind of able to connect? Yeah, there there is a familiarity. Mm-hmm. Um, even when there are differences in the services, mm-hmm. um, like I mean, it's kind of funny too because there's a rivalry. It's just like with sure. brothers, yeah. You know, between the Air Force and the Army and the Marines and the Navy, um, and it, um, you know, our, our our mutual good buddy uh, Rich. Um, he, he was in the air force. He retired. God bless him. Um, but the air force, we, everybody picks on the air force yeah, because they're, you know, they're the ones who get recess, you know? <laughs> um, and the Marines, they're the ones who do C spot run for professional education. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, there's, there's that where we can joke with each other, but when you, when you run into somebody, one you can tell by the way they carry themselves mm-hmm. um, subconsciously almost. And then you can also tell, you know, when they've been somewhere yeah. uh, may not be where they, they may not have been just like with cap and Falcon. Obviously they weren't deployed to the same places. Mm-hmm. Um, but even though you aren't in the exact same spot, there's a lot of stuff that's similar that only somebody who's done it, can understand right you know um even if it's just the being away from home and missing family mm-hmm. you know um the, the the example they gave in the movie where um where falcon um mentions he's like it's it's your bed you know it's too soft isn't it yeah. you know yeah that that's true i mean even though we aren't all sleeping on the ground you know using a rock for a pillow which i've done before mm-hmm. and you make it work you sleep when you can um, there's something different about it. And I mean, for me personally, it was the sound of quiet. Yeah. Um, because over there in Baghdad, especially there's big giant generators everywhere, just droning all the time, running our power for us. Wow. And I would be sleeping even over there. I'd be sleeping. That generator would go out and I'd wake up instantly. Yeah. You know, and when I, and or either that or helicopters flying overhead mm-hmm. all the time, you know, you get used to that. And when I got home, there was one day I was out grilling in front of the house after my first time in Iraq. And um, with Amara's mom, I was grilling. And um, there was a, a helicopter flew overhead um, from or to the hospital because we were kind of in the flight path to the hospital for right. the life flights and stuff. And I kind of just exhaled and relaxed subconsciously. And Amar's mom was like, "What was that all about?" I'm like, "It's the it's the helicopter. I I'd forgotten how comforting it is to hear them overhead, yeah. you know. Um, and you don't have that back here. Mm-hmm. Um, just that 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 background noise, you know, the helicopters flying overhead. You know, you get used to that. And people who've been there, they understand that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. there is that definite camaraderie mm-hmm. and familiarity. Yeah, that." you do have, even if you aren't in the same service or you served in the same place, 
you get you you just kind of understand yeah. you know and and you see that with these guys right yeah. out of the gate with with Sam and with Steve you you see that right out of the gate and it's just it's natural that's what i was saying is they did such a great job of making it natural and not forced and of course uh when when uh when the scarlet uh, not oh. scarlet witch when the black widow pulls up to uh oh, to, yes. <laughs> to pick, pick up a up. fossil at the yeah Sony. yeah and uh and oh. and they go off on their mission you know it the, this is something that i was i'd heard about but i was super surprised that batrock was in this thing yeah, and you know who played Batrock? Yeah, George St. Pierre. Yeah, G- yeah old, old GSP. GSP. Um, the only time I've ever actually liked GSP in my entire <laughs> life. And what's funny to me is Batrock in the comics was a guy named Batrock the Leaper. Yep. And he is almost a throwaway joke based on his look, based on... Um, Kind of his idea. They brought him back for a run in the Thunderbolts. You know, when Thunderbolts was a team in Marvel Comics that were were originally villains who were trying to, you know, kind of turn around or either act as um, heroes, you know, whether they were or not. And uh, and I just absolutely dug the fact that they made this guy a credible, legitimate threat. Oh yeah, you know that he was someone that he went toe to toe with Captain America, and he he called him out too. He's like, "So you just you just gonna be you know the guy behind the shield?" Yes, and yeah. I'm like, which is kind of a play on words too, which we'll get to. But um, but I was like, oh, it's like all right, you know, it's almost like you know Rocky calling out to a uh, Apollo from across the ring, going ding ding. You know? Yes, yes, or <laughs> or uh, or I don't hear no bells. Um, I don't hear no bell. You know, you ain't so bad. <laughs> you ain't so bad. That's what he does to uh, Mr. T in, in Rocky Three. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he you know, in the fact that Cap just kind of drops a shield, he takes off his his mask or his helmet, and he's like, mm-hmm. "All right, here we go." And the fight scenes. Here's you know, I have just a few small criticisms of this movie, and one of them is this the the born. No, it's the Bourne identity's fault. The way that they yeah. filmed fight scenes in Bourne became this revolutionary way to do fight scenes in all these movies. And it's the handheld camera that's right up in there, and it's real shaky. They try to do it on WWE television, and I hate it. The snap zoom? Yeah, the snap. Well, they don't do the snap zoom so much here, but you know they don't try to do a laugh-in thing here. But it is definitely a handheld camera following tight in on this fight. And so you end up, kind of getting lost in what's actually going on when these guys are doing some really cool stuff and it'd be nice to be able to to showcase that with having instead of a one camera fight scene you know have two or three cameras where they're you know uh back and forth from different angles of the fight maybe instead of just all shaky up in there and all however a a raised view yeah um like a like from a catwalk or something like that Mm mm-hmm you know, of these two guys going at it. I mean, yeah. I I liked the fight. Oh, I thought it was um, amazing. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. It but was before, so fast. That, yeah. I loved I loved Cap's lap around the around the a ship. Yes, yes, when he's just clearing things he's out. Just, just run around, just like boom, you're off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. Um it it is and it's important to note um that the agent that that's and and we'll talk about this later, um as we get more into it, but the guy's name who who parachutes in and saves Cap from a dude that's got a gun yes. to his head, 
His name is um, Lum Lumloy Lumley. I got to yeah. find out for sure. Rumlow. Lumlow. Rumlow. Yeah. Rumlow. And um, and 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 we'll talk about him as as we get further into this thing because you feel like he's just just a a, a maybe a lower level kind of you know thug with shield. Yeah. But uh, but we'll talk a little bit about him mm-hmm. in in a bit more a bit, in a bit more in, in depth. Um, the name of that boat is the Lemur the Lemur the Lemurian Star. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lemuria is actually an undersea kingdom in the Marvel universe. Yeah, I saw that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I picked up on that quick, which you know points to, and that's the thing is I don't know because the Submariner is kind of tied into Captain America because of the invaders back in the day, but he's also tied into the Fantastic Four because that's kind of when he came back around in the comics back in the day. So I don't know who has Submariner movie rights, but I think it's interesting that, you know, just that little, that's a little Easter egg to check out. If I had to put money on it, Steve, I'd probably say those rights are stored on on, uh, deck four of Disney's Death Star. So we, we begin to get some intrigue with this thing. Black Widow's got a whole other mission that she's doing. Cap then goes once they get back. He uh he 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 goes after Nick Fury, you know, to kind of get in Nick's face about what were you doing. And this is where Nick shows him the big um project insight, which we've seen in all the trailers with the big three new wave helicarriers, you know, that work on repulsor technology rather than yeah, turbine. after after somebody got a close up look at the old engines. Yeah, yeah. And um and it's interesting because Fury starts to do you, you. You begin this thing where you don't really know who to trust already mm-hmm. because Cap doesn't like him, and Cap starts to be Captain America in this moment because Fury confronts him. He says, "Look, I read some of the SSR stuff. I read what you guys did back in in World War II. You know, you guys weren't all. You didn't have your hands clean." And Cap just comes clean. He's like, "Yeah, we didn't. We did some stuff that caused us not to sleep well at night, but we did it to fight for freedom." And this isn't freedom. This is fear. This is fear. You know exactly. Yeah, and and it's just a neat. It's neat how, in because there are a lot of movies and a lot of stuff where that would be the focus of you know what you got your hands dirty back when you were a soldier in World War Two, and and the character would then begin to grip and wrestle with that concept, but he did not. He's like, look, here's the conscience of my convictions. In that time, what we did was reactionary to what was taking place, and we were fighting to the death for freedom. Mm-hmm. And what and that, you're and that's doing here, is, even in in real life too. I mean, gr- yes, granted, there are those crazies that are in the military now mm-hmm. that actually get off on doing what they do. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, but for the most part, we don't l- like. Having and I haven't personally ever had to pull my trigger in anger, right? Um, but we don't do that lightly. Right. We do it because we have to. Yes. Because if we don't do that, the person on our right, the person on our left, they're going. There's the possibility that they're going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if all of us get go down, who we're that 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 firewall to keep that over there and keep it from here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And Cap, that's, I think that's kind of what Cap was saying. He's like, we did what we did because we had to. Yeah. We didn't do it because we liked it. Right. Or we wanted to. 
we did it because we had to. Yeah. Plus, well, it was the Nazis. Yeah, we yeah, the Nazis, Nazis, the evil Nazis. You got to take them out at all costs. Um, the and two, what you see in this movie is that this is a man, Captain America, who is and was a soldier. You know, we see Cap throwing knives. We see Cap not just doing hand to hand. You know, there's gunplay involved. That this is a guy. This isn't. This isn't Batman. This isn't someone who no. threw away a gun, you know. And, and he isn't a guy who's afraid to kill people, right? If he has to. And I'm not saying that to to uh, to pat him on the back or commend him. I'm saying that to really kind of commend Marvel Studios because they've tastefully shown mm-hmm. him be a soldier and and do it with honor, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's key to this character. Is all throughout this movie. The one guy who's supposed to be too naive to get the way things are does everything he does with honor, and and he never he's never soiled by the quagmire of all of the intrigue that's going on, and I think that is huge. I think that is yeah. such a big deal to see Captain America be um, almost untouchable in his honor and in his morality in these things. Mm-hmm. He's above the fray. Yes, yes. He doesn't, That's a he, great he's phrase. He's not playing the political game. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care about the politics of it, and he do, actually, in, in, in a lot of ways, he doesn't like the politics of it. He just wants the the world to be safe. He doesn't like bullies. Yes, Alicia says in the chat, he gets the way things are. He just doesn't like it. Yeah. Um. I, I think it's there's some great moments here. It, it's it's really interesting to me because. In Iron Man three, you have an Iron Man who's who's kind of on the run, trying to trying to keep it under the radar. Mm-hmm. Um, in in Thor two, you don't have that so much. Well, actually, you do. You have Thor kind of to break Loki out and kind of rebelling against the set authority to go get to go save Jane to get the ether out of her and save her. You know, he kind of ends up going out on his own and 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 trying to do what's right. And here we see the same theme. Uh, flow into this movie and this part of the the phase two of the Avengers, you know, uh, cinematic universe or whatever. We see Cap and Black Widow on the run, on their own, after the, the apparent death of Nick Fury and after Cap's first interaction with the Winter Soldier. Uh, after Nick Fury's interaction with the Winter Soldier. Um, and Which was awesome. Yes. And, and, and you see someone who... He's not into all the spy games. He's not into he. Yeah. You know, he sees what he doesn't like it. And when they, when Cap and Black Widow are in the mall, he's like, "All right, here's the way they're coming. They're from, coming formation. I'll take these guys. You take these guys." And it's just like, she's like, "Just keep your head down." Yeah, <laughs> you know. And and even he's he's gotten tired of it to the point where he's contemplating getting out. Yeah, yeah. He's he's, done. he's, he's almost to the point where he's just done. He he he's almost well, disillusioned. Yeah, he has that conversation with Sam. You know, yeah. outside of the outside of his uh, outside of his therapy group or his his group mm-hmm. therapy thing, and and then I also love the walk through the Smithsonian. Oh, that was that he so takes. brilliant! And when the kid's standing there with the Captain America shirt on, he sees him, mm-hmm. and he just kind of puts a finger up to his mouth, and the kid's like, "Okay," you know. Yeah. I'm like, "Oh, I love it! I absolutely love that moment. It's one of the oh, great yeah. moments um, in this movie." Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like um, on Superman Returns, mm-hmm. 
when Clark is standing there in the middle of the bullpen on the daily in the Daily Planet, and they're showing Superman up on the TV screen, <laughs> yes. and the little kid looks at him and, and has looks to, at the TV, and he looks back at him. He's like, <gasps> yeah, has to go to his inhaler. Has to go yep. to his inhaler for it. Yes. But this one was it was it was it was perfect, mm-hmm. and I wish they had a Captain America exhibit at the Smithsonian. I go right now. Yes. Yes. Then did you catch who's narrating the exhibit? I didn't. I tried to see who that was, and and I know it wasn't Stan Lee. Um, I think it's Gary Sinise. Really? I think it's Lieutenant Dan. Huh? Yeah. It's not, and I I really picked up on it during the second credit bit. Mm-hmm. Is where I started noticing the voice of the first time I saw it. And the second time, I'm like, that's that's got to be that's got to be Gary Sinise. That's I, that's got to be. And I think that's a great choice because he. He's pulling back the curtain. I mean, he played Lieutenant Dan in Forrest Gump, which is right, probably my right. favorite movie of all time. It is Gary but, Sinise. He's listed on IMDb, yeah. the Smithsonian narrator. Yeah, wow. But, but since then, he's got the Lieutenant Dan band. He does a ton for Wounded Warriors. Yes. Yeah. And I think that that was a great... I bet... And I, I think that's just great that they asked him to do it, and he was willing to do it. And I think it was just perfect. Yeah. For me, it's um, it's interesting to me. Just staying on the cap thing, you know, as as much as he's trying to get out and everything, they also don't do the other thing. I was worried they do, and they don't spend a lot of time with him, really struggling over being a man out of time. Yeah, he's kind of accepted his fate and he's moving on. Now he does the Smithsonian thing. I think that's kind of a connection to his old friends and all. And of course, he pauses at Bucky. He Peggy Carter somehow is still alive, and so he's sitting with her. That was heartbreaking. That was so sad, you know, and and um. And and she's obviously she's suffering from some type of dementia or something because you know it, it seems like she's surprised to see him when she's toward the end of that conversation. But it's he's not struggling with it; it's just there. But it's a weight of sadness that's on him that he does not let control him. Yeah, it's just there, and he's he's trying to learn, he's trying to adapt. Um, it, like you said, it's not it's not a a crutch for him, right? You know, right? It's not. Um, a, a a woe is me it just is what it is mm-hmm. and uh, I loved his little list that he had in his little notebook yes you know? yeah yeah and when he's actually like so how, how you adjust like well you know the food's better we used to boil everything and you know the internet that's great Use <laughs> no that polio yeah no polio is good <laughs> yeah no polio's good <laughs> I did but, dig that line yeah yeah, um, but um, there's he, there's another point here when we get to it that um, along the same subject um, that I wanted to point out. If you noticed it, I'm sure you did, but we'll get to that. Okay. So. Um, he uh, and and I'm and I'm kind of jumping around just because I'm really kind of focusing on on to me the fact that they carried the Captain America character so well through this. Mm-hmm. You know, when we see him in Avengers. Which is, I guess, kind of a sequel, but not a direct sequel. Of course, Captain America One. It is. Um, he is still kind of playing that man out of time thing. He's dealing with. You kind of get the idea that it's right off the heels of him waking up, mm-hmm. you know, and he's kind of laid low and just kind of tried to stay out of anything. And then Fury comes to him with the mission, and then he kind of falls back into his routine with these superheroes, and we leave him kind of just riding out down the road doing his thing. Yeah. Um, and he goes. He goes back to being a soldier because that's really yeah. all he knows. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And that's you know? what he tells Sam. You know, Sam's like, well, "What do you love to do?" He's like, "I don't know." You yeah. know, Sam's like, "You can do anything you want to do." UFC. Let me get yeah. you. Know? <laughs> um, but he's like, "You can do anything you want to do." 
And it's just really interesting that, you know, he's so ingrained with this idea of protecting freedom, you know, that, that this, this movie shows a Captain America who is not just waving the flag, he's waving a banner of freedom, you know, and it's more about, and, and that allows him when all the Hydra stuff hits the fan to, to already, as you said, be above the fray. He is the go-to guy. He is trustworthy, you know, more so than, than Robert Redford's Anthony Pierce, who, I mean, there's no sense in talking about Robert Redford's skill as an actor. He delivered that performance incredibly. Oh, yeah. And, it, I mean, up to the point that I did not know if he was, you know, on the side of the angels or not, mm-hmm. when when the Winter Soldier's sitting there in his, in his kitchen... Yeah, and he turns around. He's like, "You want some milk?" I'm like, "Well, he's just playing a tough old soldier, is what he's yeah. doing. He's just he's, he's just buying time because he just yeah gets some sensor right. waiting for Shield to show up. And then he sits down and starts talking about the targets the guy was supposed to be taking out. I'm like, "Oh, so he's he's in on it, mm-hmm. you know?" Um, and and but Captain America was already above that, you know. And this is yeah. a, this is a threat that Captain America, um, had uh, had had fought years and years prior and had proven that he would stand against, you know? Um, and I, I can't say enough and I can't gush enough about the fact that they nailed this character, nailed him, just absolutely nailed him. And, 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 and it all comes to a head at one point and I'll talk about as, as we get on into it. Um, the black widow I thought was used very well. Scarlett Johansson, um, to play into this storyline, the fact that they made Captain America kind of an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, you talked about that it, it's almost a two-sided thing. Are you just going to hide behind a S.H.I.E.L.D.? You know, that's a double-edged sword, that question that Batrock gave him early on in the movie, and, yep. and, and we see that he chooses not to, both metaphorically and literally. Um, and And so with Cap and her working together, um, once he figures out he can trust her, you know, I'll, this is the thing. I, we're getting a Black Widow movie in Phase Three um, of of the Avengers series of the of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're getting a standalone Black Widow movie. Um, and again, I like what they did with her in Iron Man Two. I like what they did with her in the Avengers, and I like what they did with her here. We know that she she can kick butt. We know that. We know that she's got a past. But rather than spend all this time worrying about that and her being gummed up with that, um, we we get just to spend time with her doing her job. And she's, you know, and, and you find out she's on the side of the angels. She's been doing all this stuff for Fury. Because you know, she, she's one of the only ones at that point that Fury could trust. Exactly. And I think that at this point, then you move to Fury. And you talk about, yeah. you know, here's a guy that's known something's going on, and he's just trying to figure out all the angles before he makes his play. Yeah, and I think, and I think the reason why, I think, it's not, I think he's always trusted Cap. I think, though, what it is, why he didn't tell him before then, is because... He wanted to wait until he knew for sure. Yeah, he he. Well, he couldn't believe it. I mean, this is something he yeah. don't he you know he devoted this shield is something he's devoted his life to. Yeah. It's something he believed in. It's this World Security Council is, is a group that he willingly answered to, yeah. 
And, you know, and even though he defied them here and there. And so when he plugs in that piece of data, when he plugs in that hard drive and he can't access what he's trying to access, he knows something's up. And, and honestly, what sets everything into motion and really ramps things up, even though it's a quiet moment, is when he goes to Anthony Pierce and says, I need you to hold off on the launch. I've got a bad feeling about this. You know, and that's what sets everything, because that's when he's driving down the road and he gets attacked. You know, then he has to, spoiler alert, as we said, fake his death. Then there's the whole idea of, you know, what now, trying to put together a, a group of secret people. Meanwhile, if you're watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they're kind of finding out about all this. out, in the, You're kind of getting the idea of how this is going on out in the world, mm-hmm. away from the central hub of the Triskelion and that sort of thing. And it's just this huge big thing begins to fall apart, and it seems like everyone in S.H.I.E.L.D. is involved. It seems like, you know, the only people that didn't know were, are these main characters. Yeah. And, um, oh my gosh, Sitwell shocked me that he was in on this thing. Yeah, because he's been in it from really the beginning. He was in the the little one shot with Coulson at the diner. Yeah. Um, he's been, he's been an agent of shield. Shield. He, yeah, Um, it, it blew my mind that he was in on this thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, it was just, and so you feel like, well, if this is what goes on, then, how you know who who's not you know we know colson's yeah. on the side of the angels but that's it and colson no one knows that colson is a, is alive yeah and 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 also within the whole marvel universe who else is involved right exactly you know you've got sitwell's involved you've got the senator which i thought that was that was that was awesome brilliant. that was great that that so, made Iron Man two so much better. Yes, for me. yes. It's like he's not trying to get it away from the American government. He's trying to get the Iron Man suit for Hydra. Exactly, exactly. And, and then it just, even further back than that, I wonder too if Obadiah Sloan, Obadiah Stain, Obadiah Stain. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't remember his last name. If he was part of it as well, I don't. I I wouldn't. I wouldn't think it'd run back that far, um, just because Stain. Was I think Stain was also uh, more about personal, um, personal gain for him. Okay. I really do think that was, you know. But to see how this thing goes, and it's interesting that in 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 Captain America two, a senator is taken down as as a Hydra supporter. In in Iron Man three, the vice president is supporting AIM. And what I'm wondering is, because in the comics, AIM and Hydra have some connections. Yep. And I'm wondering if we're going to see some AIM Hydra connections come to light down the road in some of these other movies, uh, whether it be Captain America three or a Hulk two or whatever the case may be. Yep. Um, I think I think it'll be interesting to play with those um, those entities because they are um, they are they are forces to be reckoned with in the Marvel universe in the in the Marvel comic universe. Um, just moving on real quick. Uh, as as everything ramps up, um, you know, when they finally go in to take over the Triskelion to stop this launch, and they get in there, and you know, Abed's there from Community. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, everybody loves Abed. Here's if if nothing else, here's what sold me on this characterization. Yeah, we talked a little bit about this uh, of Captain America, and it's his speech he gives. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's talking about, he's like, I'm here to fight for the cause of freedom, and if I'm the only one, so be it. 
but I think there are more of you than that. We have to, and he says, he's strategic in it. He's like, we have to assume that everyone on the Insight helicarriers are working for Hydra. Beyond that, I don't know. They could be sitting next to you. And um, did I write what down? No, I didn't write anything down. <laughs> I just was, so I'm, I, I've seen it twice. Um, yeah. He, he, but he says, he, you know, he says, you know, I'm fighting for freedom, and if I'm, and if it's only me, then so be it. And and it flashes to all these people: the nurse that was his neighbor that ends up being a shield, um, you know, agent. You know, she's she's there in this control room, and and all these other people. And you're wondering who's what, who's what. The the World Security Council is there with Pierce, and everything is just, you know, oh my lanta. It's coming to a boil. Yes, strike, the strike yes. team is going down to the control room. Yes, and and it's just getting. It's getting bad, and it you know, yep. and this is what really blows the lid off of it. But when he, when he blows the lid off of it, and then Scarlet, I mean, I keep saying Scarlet Witch because it's Scarlet Johansson. When the Black Widow goes in and she begins to upload everything to the internet and that sort of thing after it kind of comes about that she was there in disguise. It's just this whole thing of this. It's a perfect climax. It's a perfect final battle. You've got Captain Sam going out, Captain America and the Falcon going um, going out to take down these things. And, and, of course, Falcon. There's a whole scene has to be cut out of them going to get the uh, the Falcon suit. Oh, know? yeah. I, I want to see that so bad. It's, like, it's uh, behind uh, about 100 armed guards and a foot of steel. Yeah, no problem. Oh, we got this. Yeah, and uh, and the and the line. How do we tell who the who's the bad guys? And he's like, if they're shooting at you, they're the bad guys. Yeah, that and that ends great. up being the truth, you know. Yeah, and you see Shield agents give their life. And I'm sorry, this is Captain America when uh, when Rumlow is there. He's got the gun to the guy's head. He's like, you need to, you know, go ahead and launch, launch. it. Launch and, it. He's like, I can't. Yeah, I can't. Captain's orders. Captain's orders. Yep. Oh my gosh! And you, I popped so loud. And the at that guy, feel like yes, yes, and the guy played it so well. He played it scared but resolved. He, he knew he was. He knew he was getting ready to take one in the head. Yes, he was about to was die for this right decision. Thing. He was doing yes. what Cap would do. Yes, and then we see Sharon, Agent Thirteen. Uh, you know, she turns it around, and she's you know she's now on the side of the angels. So you start to see. All the cool, you know, all the good guys step up. Oh my gosh, I've got to go. R2 Jake to remind me this. I've got to go back when they're getting ready to go oh, yes. in. We, did, we didn't talk about Zola. Oh no, we didn't talk about Zola either. Oh my. Perfect. Arnim Zola, perfect. I don't. For oh, those yeah. of you who've never read the comics, Arnim Zola is basically an android. He's got a camera where his head should be, and on his chest is a television screen showing his face. Just like this big supercomputer was doing in the bunker where they were with Arnim yep. Zola, you know. I loved him recapping everything. Yeah, yeah. And, and my dad pointed out that there was a, a silhouette of somebody with the same type of rifle that Lee R.V. Oswald used. Yes, it, yeah, Winter Soldier was involved in the Kennedy assassination. Yep, and so was Magneto. So was Magneto, yeah. So yep. it depends on which movie universe you're in. Yeah, whether you're going with Sony or yeah. um, if you're going they, with... Uh... They were a lot more subtle about it here, though, yes. which I liked. I like the fact that this yeah. guy, they, they've been keeping him on ice, you know, um, after their after their first encounter and his mask falls, after their second encounter, rather, and his mask falls off, Cap calls him Bucky, and he's like, who the heck is Bucky? Um, yeah. You know, and that starts this whole Winter Soldier thing. Um, but it was cool, too. Zola said something, too, right at the end. He's like, I've been stalling. And he's like, but you're going to die, too. He's like, well, 
As it appears, Captain, we're both men out of time. Hmm. Which I love that. Yeah, line. yeah, it's a great. Well, it's a great supervillain line. Yeah, it's a great supervillain. You know, kind of pun, play on words, play yeah. on a term. You know, turn of a and, phrase but, kind of thing. And Captain Captain America has also been known as this is either the man out of time or the soldier out of time. Right. You right. Know? So I'm like, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. Um. Oh, and there was a moment after. Okay, when he does the fight in the elevator, it <laughs> <laughs> takes everybody out. I have a comic book where Captain America is fighting on a rooftop and he's got no other recourse of escape than just to jump off. And there's nothing to yeah. grab onto. There's nothing laying on. And he just falls behind his shield because his shield absorbs 90% of the impact because of that vibranium. Yeah, that's, still, that's still 10% of that impact. That still took it out of Cap, too. Yes, yes. I was like, oh, this is going to hurt. This but I'm just hurt. saying, when he did that, when he jumped out, I'm like, he did it in the comics! He did it in the comics! He did it in the comics! <laughs> um, you know... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was I was popping all over the place for this movie when when they're questioning Sitwell and Sitwell's like you know what what targets and he goes through a few and he throws out the name Stephen Strange mm-hmm. you know Doctor Strange is like oh he's a part of this universe and I don't even like Doctor Strange but he's there he's there yep. and uh, and oh it was that's the thing so perfectly interwoven with the rest of the Marvel universe but a great standalone film too mm-hmm. and a great direct sequel to the first Captain America. Yeah, and so you um you get into this this whole and oh the the banter between Captain and Black Widow the banter between Cap and Sam you get in this whole end yeah. fight and and it makes sense what they're trying to do makes sense. Um, Alicia had a good point too when they're on the roof. I thought it was funny after. Well, the other thing too that showed who Cap is Sitwell knew too. Yes, where he's holding him. He's like, it's not really your M.O. Cap. He's like, uh, you know, you're right. And it's not. He just steps but aside. But it is Black hers. Widow. Yes, and Black Widow <laughs> and, just and picks like, him What off. about that girl down in accounting? The uh, one with like, lip ring. One with lip ring. Yeah, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was so perfect. It was so good. Um, but then after they once they get to the safe house, find out Fury's alive and everything. Um, and Cap walks away. He's like, suit up. You don't go into battle without a uniform. Yep. And then it comes oh, to Stanley's cameo. And, um, and, and you just see the naked mannequin. He's like, I am so fired. Yeah. It, it was one of those moments that I did not think would mean anything to me, but meant so much to me when Captain America comes walking up, uh, in the old, in the red, war, white, and blue, in the world war two uniform. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was just, it, it's like, never change that uniform again, Cap. Yep. That's your uniform. And I think, too, that part of the reason why he did that, not only because he didn't have the other one, but um, he had said to to Falcon, he's like, I've got to make him remember. Yes. Yeah, that's true. And that's that, true. Alicia just said just, in the chat, so uniform, Bucky would recognize him, yeah. Yeah, it, he put that on, So you, and plus, the other uniform... I kind of felt like that was his shield uniform. And yes. He didn't want to yeah. wear that anymore. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I agree that this was Captain America going back to fighting Hydra, going, you know, doing what he does and and making it, you know, making it more it took it back to him, to mm-hmm. just him. And uh, it was just so stinking. And the only the other and we've talked about this on the phone you and I, the only other criticism I have of this movie is the lack of use of Silvestri's music. Yeah. They use it a little bit at the very beginning. At that moment though, when, when he still when, when it cuts to the, the shot of the naked mannequin and um and then 
it you know then cuts to them walking up the hill. They should have been playing that Captain America march. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know a little bit, it, sometimes a soft strain of it or something. Yeah, it was great. And um, oh, what was I going to say? I forgot. Well, Jimmy and George says, "How did Falcon get his backpack back after his car was destroyed on the interstate?" I don't know. He just got it, man. Oh, cause cause uh, Winter Soldier and all retreated. No, they mm-hmm. oh they took no because they took him into custody and they had everything, but uh, Maria Hill made sure he had it. Yeah, I'm sure there's a deleted scene. A great great moment in the back of that truck, by the way. Oh with yeah, Maria Hill, and um and and Kobe Smothers Smothers crushing my head. Yeah, let a little bit of Robin come out. Um, <laughs> the the Falcon stuff. That I'm going to run down some notes here. Uh, these Hydra seeds and shield were kind of planted in the Avengers. Remember, they had Hydra weapons on the helicarrier. Yes, I, I was going to mention that. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Falcon stuff when he's in flight is awesome. It is oh. absolutely awesome. I hope they have like another like ten minutes of deleted scene from that. I, I, I hope I he's see him flying around. I hope he's in the future. I hope he's got a new suit that's painted red. Mm-hmm. Um like a la his 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 stuff in the comics. Um yeah. and you know, and it never really in the comics, when I read those old comics, because they're just a static picture, it never really registered me what this dude's doing and here in this thing with the jetpack and everything else, because that's what it was in the comics. I mean it was a jetpack, it was solar powered. You know, he's flying through and when he's got you know, when you've got the the the, the surface to air stuff firing up at him uh and he's just swirling around and it's like he's, yeah oh, it and they show so, it from um from uh from a distance red, from pierce's office from pierce's office it looks that so good cool. yes it really was um even fury gets in uniform when they go yep. to take things down you know when he comes out when he steps out of that helicopter he's in full-on black trench coat and, and everything shaft mode right yes there. yes um i and, uh, I'm wondering how they got Cap Shield. You know, Jimmy asked about the uh, the the backpack. I'm wondering how they got Cap Shield back. That, and I'm wondering how they got it so clean again. I wonder if he had a backup. Yeah. <laughs> because well, I'm talking about after the fight. I'm talking about after the fight with Bucky, after the fight with the Winter Soldier, because oh, yeah. it fell it fell out of the helicarrier. So, well, we'll find out in the next movie. I guess so. Well, no, I, yeah, I guess. I guess we didn't see him with it, did we? No, we didn't After see that. him. He yeah. was in the bed, and then they That's were right. at the at the at the grave. Yeah. I'll, but another I'll, another note I'll, I had was um, when it was hipster cap and hipster widow walking through yes, the mall. Yes, yes, yes. And um, at the at the Apple store, the 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 Apple genius, he's like, "You you are a you are a specimen. You are a specimen." You know? <laughs> <laughs> just cracking me up. He's it like, was, "Yeah, we're just looking at some." Uh, some honeymoon locations like ah new new jersey yeah that's uh awesome great place but then they're they're getting away and they're on the escalator and she's like hurry up kiss me he's like what he's like kisses make kisses or public displays of affection make people uncomfortable he's like yeah i'd say so and so they he kisses her He's like, are you still uncomfortable? He's like, that's not exactly what I'm feeling right now. That's right. <laughs> like, and then the whole conversation started. Was that your first time since 1945? Like, um, I may be 95 years old. He's like, I'm 95 years old, not dead. <laughs> the uh, After he gets the third targeting blade put in and the and the helicarriers are taking each other down, um, this is Cap. He yeah. goes down to save Bucky, and Bucky starts to come at him again. He's like, I'm just not going to fight you. Yep. 
um, I'm with you to the end of the line. And he uses a line that was used earlier. We saw in flashback, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm with you till the end, to the end of the line. Mm-hmm. And, um, or I'm with you to the end, you know, that line. Yeah. And he just gets the crap beat out of him. You know, yep. he lets Bucky beat the crap out of him. And it is. Yeah. Alicia says it's it's like when Luke says, I will not fight you, Father. You know, when Luke yeah. throws his, when he throws his lightsaber over the side and says, I'm, you know, I, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. And, yeah, and I, th- I think, too, I don't think he did it on purpose. Um, but I think there's that point before he let, before, before the, the, the support structure gave way, mm-hmm. where he's getting ready to punch him one more time, and he looks down at Steve, and he's all bloodied, all cut mm-hmm. up, eyes starting to swell shut. He looks down at him. It's almost like Bucky remembers seeing his scrawny little friend yes. who was always yes. getting beat up. Oh, I think it was definitely intentional. And, uh, I think it was intentional movie-wise, but I don't think that's why... Steve let him beat him up. Oh no no no! I don't either. You know that. what I'm saying? But I think it was intentional. I think that I think he realized it and he paused and then it gave way. And that's when he, uh, he I think he started to remember yes. a little bit. I think I think it is a um, it is a great. Uh, I I think it just speaks to the character of Captain America. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to let my friend continue in this path. I'm going to bring him back, yeah. even if it means he ends my life. Yeah. Um, now, the movie ends. Cap's in the bed. You know, he wakes up and on your left, on your left, <laughs> that great line. Um, <clears throat> you know, and that's really all that's said between those two until they're kind of doing all the wrap up, mm-hmm. and and she gives him the file on mm-hmm. the Winter Soldier, and he's like, Are "You going out to find him?" He's like, "Yeah, you don't have to come with me." He's like, "When do we get started?" You know. Yep. These two have formed a bond through this battle, through this situation. S.H.I.E.L.D. is disbanded. Nick Fury is walking around in sunglasses. He's burned his eye patch. Um, uh, Maria Hill is taking a job at uh, Stark, Stark Industries. Enterprise. Um, the uh, the mm-hmm. Agent 13, Sharon, is taking a job with the CIA. Uh, you know, caps off on this quest for, for Winter Soldier. Yeah. Black Fury's off on the path of the righteous man. Yes, on the path of the righteous man. Um, <laughs> and I still don't want to say anything about that yet. I, I still yep. want to keep that in the lid because I just feel like there's not enough people catching that. And I want it to be as natural and as um, as organic as possible when they finally do see see that line and see what's going on there. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but Black Widow's off to try to get a new cover and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Going to go find Barton. Yeah, I think she's going to go find Clint. And did did you notice her necklace? No. Her necklace that she wore, I noticed it um when she was when they were in the mall the first time actually. Mm-hmm. Um her necklace has an arrow on it. Oh wow, no, I didn't notice that. Yeah. That's cool. Which kind of made it which kind of made it awkward cuz yeah. she was kind of flirty with Steve there a little bit with yeah. with the old cap. But then, you know, her heart her heart truly belongs with with uh Barton. Of course, yeah. Well, and then um, <clears throat> finally, um, the um, you know th- this is what I c- this is what I'm saying. Finally, whatever this is what I'm I'm yeah. coming to. If you go to Iron Man three, you know it ends with a little bit of hope, but he's you know he's he's had the arc reactor move, removed from his chest. You know he got all the shrapnel stuff taken out. He's kind of starting over from scratch. All his armor's gone. Um, 
you have Thor 2. He's kind of forsaken Asgard. Loki's on the throne. He's, you know, with Jane on Earth now. It's a happy ending, but there's still this ominousness about it. Cap wins the day, but S.H.I.E.L.D. is dismantled. We're seeing some of the fallout about of that in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I think is good, that there's some yes. actual government fallout and stuff like that. But at the same time, all of these Marvel movies thus far in this phase have kind of ended on a downer. Yeah, phase it, one were, were all ending on high notes, really. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. they were victorious. Phase two, they're, they're, you know, they're having a rough time. It's, you it's know, they're like kind of starting over. These movies, you know, even Iron Man 3, though, it's a third one. These things are almost more like second acts of a three-act situation. You know, they're yeah. almost like the Empire Strikes Back of, of some of these things. Yeah. And, um, and it's so, uh, it's so neat because they're more scattered than ever. Yeah. And you're just wondering how are they going to come and what's going to pull these guys back yeah, together for Avengers too. You know, where's the Avengers assemble line going to come in at, you know, obviously if you look in the targeting, I, I can't wait to get the Blu-ray to see who all gets targeted. Yeah. I, tried to keep, I, I noticed obviously Anthony Stark was targeted. Yeah. But that's in, and that was in Stark towers, but it only yes. had the a on there still. Exactly. I and love I'm wondering that. if he's turned like, that oh, into Avengers. A, yeah. I wonder if he's turned that into Avengers tower. Yep. So, and um, then I thought I saw they targeted Stephen strange. They probably did. Well, I mean, he mentioned it. That was someone he it, mentioned yeah. in the conversation. So they targeted the president. Yeah. They targeted somebody in the Pentagon, and I want to say, and it might have just been my eyes betraying me, Some, uh, I thought the name was Nicholas Brody, hmm. but that's from Homeland. Yeah. Um, but um, but then there was then it started going too fast, and I, I couldn't yeah. keep an eye on it. So. Uh, Andy in the chat brings up an idea. Could Sky from, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. been what she could have been, but I don't know where they were in relation to Washington yeah. at this point. They were in Europe, I think. Yeah. So they um, were only targeting like the people. There on the, yeah, region. they were only getting people targeted on the East Coast yeah. at that point, I believe. Um, finally, I really, really quick to want to talk about Rumlow or Rumley. Um, yeah. Rumlow, like I said, he seemed like a thug, um, but... Uh, Brock Rumlow becomes a character known as Crossbones mm-hmm. um, in in the Marvel Comics universe, and he is a henchman normally of the Red Skull. He's the guy who killed Captain America, um, uh, or he he was behind the assassination of Captain America. Even though it was, listen, if you want to start reading Captain America, you need to read. Uh, <laughs> You need to read. You need to catch out. Check out the trade where Cap is killed. Check out. Go ahead and check out the Winter Soldier storyline. Then check out Captain America Rebirth and some of the stuff in between. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, I, and Jimmy asked that earlier. Jimmy and George, and that's why I'm answering that question now. But I. But Rumlow is alive, and we see them take him in. You know, and so he's going to undergo some stuff. And, and Crossbones fights under a mask, and he's called Crossbones because his mask is generally. A skull and crossbones kind of thing. Yeah, and I, I had to look that up afterwards mm-hmm. because I wondered, I'm like, they sure did make it a point of showing this dude again. Yeah. What's up with him? Yeah, so I, I looked told- it up, and that's when I found out about that. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Yep. Because he he was on Capside. He was like, he was his, his buddy, his fan, you know? Mm-hmm. And because like the other guy's like, did he have a parachute on? He's like, no. No, he did he not. use those. Yeah, you he's, know? he's really... He and he is a formidable foe when it all comes down to it, and so I think it'll be interesting to see how they, yeah. um, 
use him. He's not really any type of super soldier. He just he just survives, you know, and that's yeah. the whole idea here is that he just survived. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they if they bring him back around in in Cap Three. Matt, before I let you go, your final thoughts about Captain America: The Winter Soldier. It was a it was a fantastic movie, and um, uh, like I mentioned earlier, Mar and I went and saw it three times, and I I can't wait till the Blu-ray comes out for it, um, so I can see what else like like I said, slow it down, see who they're targeting, and just watch it again and and soak it all in again because from start to finish, it was so good, and I loved the fact that um, the trailers didn't give it away. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. I was totally. Yeah. I thought the yeah. bad guys were blowing up the helicarrier. Yeah, to go back to a to an earlier email, it doesn't. I mean, the trailers really do not yeah. do not really spoil too much about this movie. You know, I and I intentionally had stayed away from all the other stuff, but I, even at that, I've gone back and watched it. They didn't let all that stuff out about Hydra no. and um, Zola. And the, the only when I started kind of getting the feel for this is. Uh, through Agents of Shield, and I'm like, yeah. oh snap, this is about to get real, you know something. Mm-hmm. And so it's, and then when and and it all just kind of fit in together once once yeah. I saw Winter Soldier. So, um, real quick, there's two codas in the credits, and the, just like there were in Thor, and just like there were in Avengers, Iron Man three didn't have two, um, but it's the only one of these since Avengers that haven't had two. The first one is the one a lot of people are talking about. The dude with the monocle, the bad guy there, his name is Baron Von Strucker. Yep. Uh, the two people he's looking at, and he says the age of miracles has begun. And uh, yep. I, I actually wrote down this particular quote. Um, and nothing's more horrifying than a miracle. Yep. The two people he has there in, the, in, in, in those cages or in those prisons, one is the one that's bouncing off the walls. He is uh, Quicksilver. And the girl is Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch has some type of mutant hex power, which is probability-altering power she has. Um, and so that's her deal, and Quicksilver's fast. They're both going to be players in Avengers Age of Ultron. Yep. Uh, Baron Von Strucker will probably be more of a bigger player in uh, uh, Captain America 3. He is yep. a, he's a classic Cap villain. He's got that uh, that spear that loki's scepter that he had yeah that was cool and i it wouldn't surprise me to see him involved in some type of resurrection of the red skull kind mm-hmm. of thing yep. so um <clears throat> well they never really go tech with with uh scarlet witch jimmy says well they finally go magic instead of tech with her they, she, her power's always been mutanty so probably because they can't do mutants in um in in this marvel cinematic universe because of the fox stuff they probably will go magic uh, yeah, that are genetic type, engineering. Yeah, or genetic type stuff, yeah. So uh, the second one was Bucky at the at the Smithsonian. So and, so good. And and looking at himself. So uh, he'll obviously be back in three, and it'll be neat to, to bring yeah. that around. And I hope that we get to see Cap, Bucky, and the Falcon fighting side by side against mm-hmm. something in Captain America 3. Yeah. And the, the only other thing that I had, the only other thought I had to pull it, to go forward too mm-hmm. is it goes back with Zola. Um, I'm wondering because Zola created the algorithm right. that they were using to target everybody with right. all the good guys, mm-hmm. basically. Um, that was part of the database of Intel that black widow 
put out, pushed out on the internet. Yeah. I don't think that Zola's dead because I don't think he'd be that stupid. I think he's, you know, you think he built he's got himself a backup a, of a backup? like a, a Trojan horse. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think once it got onto the internet, it started growing oh. and gathering more and more information so and you more think power. He, you think Zola might be Ultron? I do. Hmm. That could I be think Zola slash the algorithm may end up becoming Ultron. Wow. I could see that. That's a good, that's a good, that's a good, uh, Good theory, sir. That's my layman's theory. There you go. Because um, you had mentioned too that Zola had like made his own body and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm yeah. wondering if that's part of it. it now may that that's be. out on it, the loose, it, that it, takes over. It may be. It's going to be interesting to see how they play with that because Hank Pym's obviously not a factor in that sort of thing. Either that or it becomes Skynet. Yeah, yeah. Well, dude, I'm I'm getting close to two two hour mark so i'm gonna let you go i want to say Hi, before you go because we didn't uh, we've said it on the big honking show before but we didn't say it earlier when we were talking thank you for your service to our country and thank you for for the for what you've sacrificed and what you've done i know that you've sacrificed a lot of time away from home and and uh and and other things uh but uh but we appreciate you you are a hero sir and uh, and we appreciate you well thanks steve i appreciate you too thank you for thank you for having me on um and uh, thanks for being my friend, buddy. Yes, sir, man. It's good to talk to you, sir. Thanks for helping me out with this conversation. Hey, no problem. All right, we'll I'm talk. Looking forward to it. All right, we'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks. And uh, that, my friends, is that, as they say. Um, Want to remind you of a couple of things as we get ready to um, to take off here. Number one, we'd love for you to follow us on Twitter. Twitter.com slash Geek Out Loud. And, of course, we're on Facebook as well. Facebook.com slash Geek Out Loud. I want to hear from you in the email. Email us. Email us at geekoutonline at gmail.com. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. Now, there are a couple of ways that we're trying to help keep the show up and running and uh, and really lower the cost to me. And one of those ways is head over to geekoutonline.com. And there you'll see a post where there's some comic books for sale. And in a way to, if you see any of those things that interest you, get in touch with me. And they're very cheap. They're good stuff. I'm not, I'm just trying to get rid of my collection, you know, making some more room and that sort of thing. But also on either side, there's a vertical banner, not horizontal, vertical banners of Amazon links. Uh, If you'll clear your cookies and use the search bar or just click on the link to head to Amazon, uh, you really help us out if you buy something after you go there. So if you're doing some Amazon shopping, head over to geekoutonline.com, geekoutonline.com. Dot com and check those out and use those. Also, coming down the pipe, uh, the Phase 3 of the Geek Out Loud t-shirts and t-shirts coming soon for most of the Goliverse shows, so keep your eyes open for those. Geek Out Loud is a proud member of the Shot Glass Digital Network family, along with such great, great podcasts as Techno Retro Dads, Fictional, fictional Frontiers, uh, the Rebel Force Radio, the Bondcast, all kinds of stuff over at ShotGlassDigital.com. Check them out and let them know you appreciate them letting Geek Out Loud be a part of the Shot Glass Digital Network. You guys, I appreciate you hanging with me tonight, those who are live at Mixler.com slash Big Honkin' Show. And, um, hey... We're going to do it again tomorrow. Maybe not geek out loud, but something. Thanks, everyone, who's downloaded the podcast. Tell your friends about it if you got some geeky friends. Tell them about it. Let us hear from you. And until next time, I'm Steve Glosson. 
Have a great one, guys. We'll see you next time on Geek Out Loud.